All right, if you have your Bibles, I'm going to ask that you would open up to Luke chapter 5. We're going to be in verses 1 through 11. I will tell you, this is one of my all-time favorite passages. When I was in school, I used to joke about it. Everything goes back to Luke chapter 5. Everything goes back to Luke, Luke chapter 5. And this section that we're going to look at, and I really do believe that it does in so many different avenues. But I want to ask this question. How many of you all feel like your world is being completely turned upside down? Your cart not only has gone off the rails over the last two years, uh, some of them have burst into flames, some of them have just broken down. Some of us are on the verge of just kind of that breaking point. In society in general, we're just waiting for the next argument to happen. You know, we talk about this cancel culture and you're either in my camp or you're my enemy and things like this. And there's just this heaviness, this tension that happens. And I believe that what's happening here, one of the ways that we can look at this, and I really do believe it is a healthy and it's a good theological, it's a spiritual way to look at what's happening here is we have an incredible opportunity to re-examine ourselves. God is giving us an incredible opportunity to take stock in things. I think the terminology that is used for this is we're in the process of deconstruction. Now, philosophically, in literature, there's a whole different thing about deconstruction. But in essence, in what we're talking about here, in the context in which I'm talking about, this idea of deconstruction is having to examine the truths that I thought, but now they're coming in great conflict with the reality of what's happening in our world. In other words, what are the things that I have put my hope and my faith and my trust in apart from God? And one of the things I'm realizing over the last two years is how fickle some of this is. How fickle it is to put my hope and my trust in things that are going to disappear. They are temporary. They are not eternal. And there's one or two ways that we can look at this as we're going through this process. One, we can get really angry at God. We can start pointing our finger at God and asking the question, why are you allowing this to happen? Or... We can flip the script a little bit and begin to think, okay, God, what is the lesson that you want me to learn? What is the new reality that you want me to have? What is the truth that you are showing to me? Because this, this is a, a bedrock, okay? Anything that I put my hope, my trust, my identity in apart from Jesus Christ will fail. Somebody can say an amen on that one, all right? Anything apart from Jesus, anything that I put above Jesus becomes an idol. Now, it can be our jobs. Two years ago, when all of a sudden the federal government said, we're shutting down, you need to stay in the house. Well, now what do I do? Some of you rejoiced. I don't have to drive to D.C. Yeah. But then another reality came. 
if I can't go to the workplace, I don't get paid. Some of us, you know, we spent, I had two years last year, and I, I told you guys about this, uh, coaching baseball. It had been two years, literally, since we had been able to get our boys back on the baseball field. Oh, my lands, I missed that. Oh, my lands, I missed that. But there were so many of our boys that their identity is wrapped up in being a baseball player and being an athlete and when that got taken away, their identity got absolutely rocked. Who am I now? We've seen relationships that under the stress of what's happening, people are walking out of other people's lives. People, we don't know how to cope with things because we've never been through this before. And it's revealing the things that we have put our hope and our trust in. And if I can't get over that, then I'm gonna to turn to other things. I'm gonna keep on plucking at things in the air to find some type of hope, find some type of security. And the, one of the last places that so many people are going to is, is God. And I would venture to say that I wonder how many of us as Christians have we not turned to Jesus in this time? Now, again, we've got two options. We can find and look for the temporary, or we can say, okay, God, I know where you're working here. Or I believe that you're working here, and I think that's solid theology. I believe that God is giving each one of us an opportunity in this deconstruction phase, season that we're going through, to actually bring about a rebuild. And so this passage in Luke chapter 5, I want to show you how Jesus deconstructed Peter in just a matter of moments, but then completely brought about a rebuild. So if you're with me, let's go ahead and start this. Luke chapter 5, starting in verse 1. I will tell you, most of you all are very familiar with this passage, all right? Most of you have heard this. This is basically where, where Peter catches all the fish and the boat starts to sink. If you've seen, you know, the, the Chosen series, you saw this. It was pretty spectacular, all right? But that's what this passage is. But let me, we're going to break this down a little bit, and then we're going to land this plane, all right? Luke chapter 5, starting in verse 1. One day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. Now, this is one of Jesus' first public teachings. He has not even called his disciples yet. I will tell you that Peter, his brother Andrew, James and John, the sons of Zebedee that we'll read about here in just a moment, they knew about Jesus. Andrew, Peter's brother, actually 
was a disciple of John the baptizer. All right? And remember, if we look in John's gospel, John recognizes Jesus and he says, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Andrew would have been there, would have heard that. Peter probably either saw this, heard this himself, or at least got a report back from Andrew about this. But Peter was steadfast in what he believed was true for him. And in just a few moments, his entire world is going to be deconstructed. Jesus is phenomenal about this. In all of our lives, taking what we think to be true, turning it on, it on its head, at which point we become a little bit bewildered and even sometimes lost. But he never, ever leaves us there. He never, ever leaves us there. So Jesus is beginning this teaching. Jesus is in Peter's boat. You know Peter is listening. You know Peter is going, okay, I know about this Jesus, but am I going to really trust him? Wow, these are some pretty good lessons that he's talking about. All right, kind of cool that he's in my boat. Yeah. Now when Jesus finishes teaching, he goes on. Verse 4, when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let your nets, let down your nets for a catch. Now, if I'm Peter, I'm thinking this is pretty cool. He's in my boat. Now he and I are having a conversation. Now, there is something about that when all of a sudden we get, you know, all of a sudden, wow, I feel kind of important. Peter's got no idea that what's about ready to happen to him. All right, sure. I'll, I'll take the boat out a little bit farther. Man. You ready for the deconstruction? Verse 5. Simon answered him, Master, we've worked hard all night, haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. Now, I will tell you, there was a credible amount of reluctancy. You can read that in there. Because understand, Peter is the professional. Peter knows. I know, what, I know what the truth is. We've worked hard all night. You all have heard this story before too. You don't fish in the middle of the day. You fish at night and all this. But I will tell you that Peter at least did have ears to hear and there was a part of him that was willing. I think what Peter was doing is that he was testing Jesus. All right, I'll do it. I don't believe in it, but I'll do it. Again, Peter is resting on what he thinks truth is. We're going to go on. Verse 6, when he dropped the nets, when they had done so, 
They caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. And so they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. There is a moment here where Peter's life is getting absolutely what is going on here. Now, Peter had the option, okay, wow, what a coincidence. This is kind of crazy. How many of us have done that? When something, when we've asked God for something, when we have prayed, we have searched for him, we have, we have petitioned God, and then when something comes and we're like, wow, what a coincidence. Gang, there's no coincidence. There are absolutely no coincidences in life. I firmly believe that. And what Peter has done now is his worldview has just been flopped. His apple cart got turned over. The wheels came off. The sides broke off. There are pieces of this everywhere that is happening. And he has to now think through what this is, what's happening. What does this mean? What does this mean? And this is the part where, G, where he completely becomes deconstructed. He becomes completely deconstructed. Everything that he held to be true is now becoming a myth. Have you ever been there? Have you ever had something in your life that you thought was so foundational only for it to be washed away? I was introduced to this passage in 1995. And I will tell you that 1995, and some of you know a bit of my story, 1995 was the year that I went from knowing about Jesus to believing in Jesus. From Jesus being, eh, I wouldn't mind kind of living a little bit like that as long as it doesn't affect this area of my life, to going, okay, Jesus, you're Lord. And I will tell you that Jesus in that, in that year period totally deconstructed me so that he could rebuild me, do a complete rebuild. In 1995, I was facing divorce. My wife and I, we actually had divorce papers signed. We were waiting for the season for the 12 months to go through. As I'm going through that, my dad is diagnosed with lung cancer. Dad, I get a phone call in February that dad has lung cancer. Dad will die July 3rd of 1995. June of 1995, my wife and I reconcile. And the way that we reconciled, I kid you not, it was via a phone call at about midnight. And I told my wife, asked my wife, can we pray together? We'd never done that before. We prayed together over the phone and all of a sudden everything changed. Everything changed. Because both of us finally got to the point where we said, okay, we need Jesus. We can't talk about it. We can't philosophize about it. We need to simply go in. And so that's what we did. 
Now, this is the part that rocked me. September. I'm driving down Interstate 64. I'm listening to the radio and Vince Gill's song, Go Rest High on the Mountain. You guys know that one? I still can't listen to it. Tears flowing, flowing so badly, I had to pull off the side of the road because I couldn't see. And I called my pastor and I went and I said, I gotta come see you because I think I'm losing my mind. And I got to his office and he goes, what's going on? I said, listen, everything, everything that I thought was so important before means nothing to me. In that moment, in the year of 1995, what Jesus did is he completely deconstructed me so that he could do a rebuild and make something new out of it. And it was my pastor that said, John, don't you see it? God's making you new. And he took me to the passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, that God is making all things new. That's exactly what he's doing. Don't miss this. In what is happening over the last two years that God is making you new. Don't miss it that God is making us new. Don't miss it that God has a much larger plan to bring us to real faith, to real life in him. Now, Peter, when he saw this, we're talking about fish here. But Peter's life got turned around. Everything that he thought got thrown out. Everything that mattered to him, being a fisherman, providing for the family, keeping the roof over, having the nice cars, having the kids going to the right sports camps, having you know the right colleges for everybody. All of this got washed away. And what became the reality is, you ready for this? This is the deconstruction. Uh, verse eight, when Simon saw this, you ready? He saw it, he had eyes to see everything that had happened. He fell at the knees of Jesus and said, you ready? Go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. <sighs> when Jesus shows up, when we have eyes to see, I, it's overwhelming. And if you're missing this, if you've never experienced this, I'm gonna ask you this. Have you really allowed Jesus to become Lord of your life? Are you allowing Jesus to unfold all of this? All of these things that don't work for us and allow him to become Lord and Savior of your life. Oh, what is it like to get just a glimpse, just a glimpse of Jesus? I cannot help but think when Moses said, hey, one thing I'd like, Jesus or God, I'd like to see you. And God says, no, you can't. It's too much. You'll blow up. That may be a cook paraphrase. <laughs> but he goes, I will do this. God says, I will do this, Moses. I'm gonna put you in the cleft of the rock. I'm gonna put my hand over it and I'll allow you to see my backside. I will tell you that in the Hebrew, that word for the back means I will allow you to see where I have just been. So in other words, you just get a glimpse of God and it's overwhelming. 
I hope some of you have had those moments where Jesus became so real. You're going, who am I that you'd be mindful of me? But this is the great love of Jesus. This is the great love of God. You are my child. You are the one whom I love. I did all of this for you. It's okay to make this personal. Because just as Peter, I want each of you, and I believe that Jesus wants each of us to come to that moment where we realize, go away from me, Lord. I am sinful. Who am I to be able to be in your presence? You are my child. Now, I will tell you, when that happens, everything changes. Everything changes. And it happened with Peter. And here's Peter's rebuild. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they, Peter, James, John, they pulled the boats up on shore. They left everything and followed him. So these are the things that I want to leave with you. I think it's wise that Jesus said, there's the understatement of the day. Of course it was wise. Jesus spoke it, okay? There's a reason why Jesus told Peter to not be afraid. Because it is fearful when things get upset. When the things that you thought were so important, you realize in a moment that they aren't important. See, as I was sitting in that office with Bob Clark, and Bob's chuckling at me because he's so excited. He goes, don't you see it, John? God's making you new. I'm thinking everything that I put my stock in, everything, means absolutely nothing. My finances, my cars, even my family, it means nothing. This is what I want I want a real relationship with Jesus. And I want to be a husband and a dad and a son and a brother. These are the things that matter. It doesn't matter about the watch. It doesn't matter about all the other stuff. But it's fearful to let go of that because it's all that we know When I am on the verge, when we are on the verge of letting go of everything that we know, it is terrifying. Because now we have to walk by faith. I am trusting you, Jesus. And I don't even know what that looks like right now. But I'm going to trust you 
that you will take care of me. Jesus says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to let go. Don't be afraid to do something new because what we keep on doing over and over and over and over again is getting us to the breaking point. Just maybe Jesus wants to do a rebuild in each of us. If we will allow him to do this. The second part here, and I love this, is that there is incredible awe. We've lost awe. Amazement. Because of CGI, who needs amazement? We got Star Wars. But Peter and James and John were amazed. And when that happened, it changed. Jesus left, told them to leave everything. And so, if you're willing to let go of fear, what are some of the things that you need to leave behind also? We all have something that we need to leave behind. We can't take it with us anymore. Some of them may be beliefs. Many of them may be beliefs. Some of them may be people. But what is it that you need to leave behind? And the last thing is if we do this, God is going to give us, you ready for this? A whole new direction. A whole new direction for our life. I am standing here before you as someone, and I don't say this boastfully, but God gave me a new direction in 1995 that I would never ever have thought about. So this is my question for you. Do you need a rebuild today? Do you need a rebuild? Over the last two years, has everything that you've held on to started to fall apart? I will say we need a rebuild. Are you ready? And it's not my words, it's Jesus' words. Are you willing to let fear no longer rule? Are you ready for something better? Are you ready for something other than just at the breaking point? Just waiting for somebody to say something that'll give you the opportunity to allow that anger that's just below the surface to come out and to cancel somebody else out? Are you tired of spinning your wheels? And are you ready 
for a direction that you have no idea where it's going to take you. What if, what if our God has something far greater in store for you? What if? In just a moment, the prayer team is going to be up here. If you're ready for a rebuild, I'm going to ask that you would allow the prayer team to walk with you in that. Tell them. Some of you, you've never really given your life to Jesus. You've trusted in yourself and you've trusted in things and you've trusted in the world and trusted in all the things that we can see and taste and touch. And yet you feel lost still. Don't be afraid. I'm going to ask that you would come forward, that you would speak with me or somebody on the prayer team and say, hey, listen, it's time. It's time to move from knowing about Jesus and to profess him as Lord and Savior. Will you be willing to do that? Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Because we don't want to make a spectacle of you. We want to embrace you and we want to walk with you. Now, there's some of you that have been in faith for a long time, but you've gone back to old patterns and you're allowing fear to dictate you. You're allowing fear to drive your train. Maybe God is saying, hey, listen, it's time for a rebuild. Let's get back to our first love. Let's get back to the things that are most important. I'm going to ask that you would do that too. You come forward. And if the prayer team is overwhelmed, then why do, what, 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 do we do? what do you say we do this? We all gather around everybody that comes around and we pray for each other. Let's face it. We all need a rebuild. Father God, I'm coming to you with a heart that is full. It's full because in 1995, you said, John, enough. And you love me enough to allow me to be completely deconstructed so that you could do a rebuild. Who would have thunk the places that you would take me? But God, I know I'm not the only one. I know that you want that for every single person on the earth. And most importantly, I know that you want it for every single person who is in hearing distance of my voice. You want to bring about a rebuild and a newness. And so God, I'm asking that we would allow all fear, that you would remove 
that, that intimidation, that intrepidation from coming forward and saying, God, it's me. I need a rebuild. And God, I know that there are those here that can hear me that are in this room right now that have never really accepted Jesus as Lord. And so if that is you, this is my prayer. I'm gonna ask that you would have with God, not magical words, but words that come from the heart. Just repeat these in you and with God. Oh God, help. Oh God, I'm at the end of me and I am terrified. And so today, God, I'm asking you to be Lord of my life. God, fill me with your spirit. Save me from my many sins. Wash me and bring me newness of life that only can come from you. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. If that was you this morning, courage, 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 come forward. Come forward, it's time. And for the rest of us, may we allow God to finish the deconstruction so that he can build us all up into the great church and the great body that he wants, but most importantly for us to have life. And I, oh, we would have life. In Jesus' name, we would have life. What is your next step?